with regards to this practice that we're undertaking. The training of the mind is something of great importance. Because once we've trained our mind, then it will have the energy necessary to be able to cure the discontent that we feel. So this dukkha, this stress, discontent, it arises uh, from craving. And this is what, uh, and from attachment, and this is what Ajahn Chah taught us, that suffering arises from attachment. So whatever it is that we cling to, that will cause us to suffer. And if we have a lot of this suffering, if there's a lot of stress, that's because we want many things. And this desire, it never ends. It doesn't have a finishing point. It just goes on and on. So therefore, we need to take the time and the effort to train our minds. And what are these minds? They're the elements that knows, that is aware of the things that it receives. But if it comes into contact with something and we don't have wisdom, then attachment will arise. So when we're born into this world, then we attach to, to our bodies and to the things we experience and see everything through the framework of me and mine. There's this constant ego there. And when that's always there, when there's always that attachment, then we'll always have to meet with suffering. We experience this in many different ways. Um, sometimes we feel worried, at other times fearful. Sometimes very angry, sometimes we love things, other times we hate things. And all of these things cause us to, to feel discontent and to suffer. So therefore, we need to start on this practice of training our minds. It's natural that initially, uh, the mind won't be peaceful and it'll be very scattered. But once we've found a good teacher and a teacher who has a lot of wisdom, then that'll give us the, the motivation to want to make our minds peaceful and want to, to find freedom from suffering. But oftentimes when we start practicing, then we want that to happen quickly. We want to get very fast results. We want our minds to gather into peace very quickly or to be freed from suffering very fast. And so we practice through a sense of desire. But we have to understand that growing in this practice is just like a tree growing. And there are many different parts to a tree. It has its trunk, it has the bark, it has leaves, it has roots. And all of these different parts, they need to to take some time in order to be able to grow. But oftentimes when we practice, then we just want the fruits to, to, to come up very fast. So we need to have forbearance and to have patience and just try and put effort into maintaining mindfulness and developing our mindfulness.
So we can just see that um, my mindfulness today is better than it was yesterday. But try not to, to put too much pressure onto that, to, to need for it to be that way. And so the practice and our minds change, and it is the same with the world. The world is of the nature to change. And so we can see this, this uh, changing, unstable nature very clearly now, the nature of conditions. And we see that in line with their truth. So the truth of our bodies is that they change every day. But if we don't pay special attention to that, we won't notice it. When we see external changes, then we start getting anxious because we haven't paid much attention to this. But if we look into our bodies, we can see that with every in-breath and every out-breath, the body is changing. The cells are changing. And um, old cells, they die, and then the body produces new cells to replace them. When the body gets sick and gets ill, then um, cells will die because of that, and the body tries to repair them as best it can. But sometimes it won't be able to do that, and that's just the nature of illness. And so... Um, eventually, if the body gets old enough or it gets sick enough, then the body won't be able to, to repair itself, and this we call death. So now there's this epidemic that's happening, and uh, the virus is attacking the cells of the body, and the body's immune system is trying to fight for life. But if the virus is stronger than the immune system, then the body will have to die. And then we see very clearly into the nature of the body that it's just made up of elements that have to separate out and decay. And that's how it is in accordance with its nature. It's something that changes, it doesn't last. So we can see this clearly now because this, this virus is spreading all over. If the body is stronger than the virus, then it'll be able to, to take it and to survive. But if the body, if the virus is stronger, if it has, uh, if it's more powerful, then the body will have to give in. But if we don't die from the coronavirus, we're going to have to die from something else. So it is of great importance that we, we train our minds and we die before we die. And what does that mean, to die before we die? We're dying in terms of self, in terms of ego. Because if we have a self, then we'll have to experience old age, sickness and death. So we should try to free ourselves from this before we meet with physical death. We see that this physical death is just the elements dispersing, and there's actually no self there to it. And if we contemplate this well, then we'll be able to gain a clear insight into that. But in order for, for this wisdom to, to arise, then we need to train ourselves in this path of practice. Train ourselves well to look into uh, Anicca, into 
inconstancy or um, the instability of things, of uh, conditioned things, to see how they're unsatisfactory and stressful, and to see that they're anatta, that they're not self. But in order to do that, we do need to train ourselves. So now we are attached to a sense of self and we do have a sense of self there. So we should use that self um, to train and to walk on this path of practice. We should take that self and practice walking meditation, sitting meditation, and always be trying to put an effort. And so for the monks, um, we come and ordain because we have the goal to free ourselves from suffering, to experience emptiness, to see into truth, and to realize the, in our hearts the, the purity of the heart, which is Nibbana. And this is something that we need to be able to, to practice until we make it. And it's just natural that if we practice until the greed, hatred, and delusion is extracted from our hearts, then our hearts are just naturally pure. And so it's just like if there's um, some place that's dirty and we go about cleaning it and we remove the dirtiness from that place, then it's just naturally clean and pure. So it's the same with our hearts. If we take all the dirty things out of our hearts, then they will be pure. So initially, we need to, to train ourselves, to train our hearts until we're able to let go of the clinging that we have towards physicality and mentality. To uh, teach ourselves that these things are not self, whether it's the forms, the feelings, the perceptions, thoughts, or sense consciousness, they're not self. So we teach ourselves until we're able to know that. But we shouldn't go and attach to that knowledge either. We shouldn't go thinking that it's me who knows these things, because that's delusion. So if delusion comes up, then we should know that delusion as well. So we practice to, to be able to know everything, including the delusion in our minds. We practice, but we don't attach to the fruits of the practice. And we don't allow ourselves to become lost in that, to become lost in the knowledge that we've gained, to be deluded by our knowledge. The mind then will become pure and bright, and it'll experience the highest form of letting go. But at the beginning of the practice, we just focus on trying to bring our minds into a calm and peaceful state, a calm that will enable us to understand. So we use that peace and we then take the mind in that stable state to contemplate into the nature of the body. We can ask ourselves, well, what do these bodies contain? What's inside them? The outside things, we can see those with our eyes. So there's the the hair, the hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth, and skin. But there are also 27 things inside the body. So we should take our minds to contemplate these bodies, both externally and internally. 
we can also contemplate the different uh, beings and animals that we see outside as well. So the outer inner body is the, the hair of the head, hair of the, the body, nails, teeth and skin. But what then is the body in the body? And what's that like? We see that it's not beautiful. And one way we can look at it is just being a bag of blood. And there's three liters of blood contained in this body. We contemplate to understand that we constantly, constantly need to be feeding these bodies. And if we don't feed them, then they won't be able to stay on. They'll have to die. So we always need to be feeding them with different things, feeding them with food, feeding them with oxygen, and to be constantly providing them with the things they need for cells to be able to, to be born and to grow. And so, and also the, the different circulatory systems of the body. So we have the blood circulation and the body is able to, to clean the blood. And, um, but it also needs input from the outside as well. So it needs a constant flow of air. It needs water and food to come into it very often. And when we give it these things, then it's able to produce warmth for itself. But if the external environment is either too hot or too cold, then we won't be able to take it either. These bodies will have to die as well. And so sickness often arises from external change. It can frequently arise from changes in temperature or from meeting with uh, viruses or bacteria, or maybe the food that we're eating isn't right for our bodies. So when we look at it like this, then it's easy for us to contemplate into the changing nature of our bodies and to see that they don't stay the same. And that they're a source of suffering for us, a constant source of stress. We must perceive into the dangers and the drawbacks of these physical forms. Because if we just find pleasure and delight in our bodies, then when these bodies grow ill, we'll experience a lot of suffering due to that. But when they grow ill, then that's a good opportunity for us to realize their stressful nature, to see that they do change and that um, they don't really give us happiness and that they, they provide a lot of pain for us instead. So we can't place our faith or our trust in these bodies and we can't trust any conditions. We shouldn't think that our bodies are, are just right and that the conditions in our life are, are just perfect now because one day our bodies will have to fail on us. So we should be careful. We need to take care around them and not give them undue trust. We need to, to train ourselves to see into the nature of old age, sickness and death, the, the true nature of these bodies. Once, we've, once we're able to bring our minds to peace, then we do that, we contemplate and see the drawbacks of attaching to a body.
when when we have these bodies and we have the different organs, the different parts of the body, then there'll need to be illnesses that arise in those different parts as well. So when we have teeth, then we have toothaches. When we have ears, we have earaches. And all the different parts of the body are able to experience pain and uh, contract illnesses. When we look at it this way, then we'll be able to perceive and so the, the dangers and the drawbacks of our bodies. And we do this over and over until we're able to see that clearly, to see that they're just a lump of suffering and that they're not beautiful. If we understand the, the nature of the body, that they're not attractive, then our minds bec become beautiful. They become beautiful because we see the unattractive nature of the body. So then we can see the beauty in a corpse, or we can see the beauty in seeing into to the unattractive nature. So when we contemplate into the body, then our minds become beautiful. We um, experience a happiness that comes from uh, disillusionment in the body from a feeling of dispassion towards them. Initially, though, we train ourselves to, to bring up and develop a beauty that comes from our morality and that comes from the sacrifices that we make in our lives. So we maintain goodness in our bodies, our actions of body and speech. And then we take that, that goodness and we use that as energy to practice further, to see the truth of the body. And this will increase the beauty of our minds. So doing this is walking on the path of sila samadhi panya, of virtue, morality, of the collectiveness of mind and of wisdom. And we develop this path little by little. When we develop it well, then eventually the mind will, it'll leave this world and it will go to another world. And we call this Lokutara. It'll be freed from doubts and there'll be great faith in the mind that will make it easy to practice. We won't feel tired when we do sitting meditation. We won't be bored of doing walking meditation. And this is also a practice that the lay people can undertake as well, you know, to, to feel a sense of joy in taking care of the mind and feeding the heart. So we all practice and, and try to develop this until we're able to see into the, the truth that the Buddha taught. And this is us, uh, by doing this, then we drink the ambrosia of the, the Buddha's teachings and we experience the deathless. And the heart uh, touches that, touches that place of the deathless, of amata. And this is the heart that has realized Nibbana. It's something that we all need to, to, to see, uh, seek out until we're able to find it. So all of the things of this world are of the nature to get old, to sicken, to die. 
And that's just how this world is. And one day we'll all have to experience this. We can see that if that everyone in this world who's alive at the moment, in a hundred years, they'll all be dead. And if no one new is born into this world, then within a hundred years, the world will be empty of humans. By doing this, then we can, we can clearly perceive the, the nature of death and how common it is. So we then need to, to seek out the Dhamma, to look for it. And it's something that it's not easy to find the, the, sorry, it's because it's not easy to find it. We should, the, the teachings of the Buddha, we should feel as though we have a very good opportunity in this life because we have met with these teachings. It's a very rare thing for, for this Dharma to, to flourish in the world because it relies upon the sacrifices that the Buddha made that he had to go through countless lifetimes, um, giving up and sacrificing and going through many hardships in order to become a perfectly self-awakened being. He had great compassion, boundless compassion for all of us. And this is something that when we recollect, it'll give us a feeling of joy in our hearts, the boundless compassion of the Buddha. It will also give us the motivation to do a lot of practice in order to, to honor his compassion. So in this life, we should really try to, to throw ourselves into the practice until we know for ourselves the, the truth, until we've seen for ourselves the teachings of the Buddha. So everyone be wholehearted in your practice of cultivating your minds.